New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, host of the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Mark Nepo. He's a poet, philosopher, and the author of over 17 books. His newest book is The One Life We're Given, Finding the Wisdom That Waits in Your Heart. Mark, in part one of your book, you describe many ways in which we get closer to life by living wholeheartedly and even living that wholeheartedness, even through our pains and our griefs and and all the suffering. So what do you mean by living wholeheartedly? Well, when I talk about being wholehearted, I'm talking about holding nothing back. I'm not talking about running wildly or dancing till you drop. You know, I'm talking about uh, being present in all directions and opening the heart to work with what we're given. To work with what we're given. Because we underestimate, in my experience, and again, I'm, I'm just offering my experience. I don't have any answers. <clears throat> we're just comparing notes on what it is to be here. But, you know, being wholehearted is our best chance of enduring what life throws at us and uncovering meaning and being able to drink of the sweetness of life by being wholehearted. It's interesting that, you know, in the many sayings of Jesus, um, uh, there's a a book uh, by uh, Neil Douglas Klotz called Prayers for the Cosmos in which he he translates some of the sayings of Jesus from the original Aramaic it was believed he spoke. And there are some important mistranslations. And why I tell this is because one is around the word wholehearted. So there's a saying that's often attributed to Jesus where he says, be thou perfect. Well, when he went back to the original Aramaic, the word that was mistranslated as perfect was wholehearted. Mm. Jesus had said, be thou wholehearted. Now, we as human beings, um, we are also half-hearted. Just as uh, I can't stay awake 24 hours a day, I have to sleep, Um, we can't be that intensely present all the time. So we open and we close. We fall down, we get up. Mm -hmm. We drift and then we focus. We care and then we can't take in anymore. And we are wholehearted and then we're half-hearted. But the important thing is that when we realize we're half-hearted, how do we open up and become whole? hearted again. Well, the question begs itself like we live with what we are given and so many times we reject those things especially that are not joyful, the suffering part, the pain part. We we get ill, we get cancer and you've you've mm. gone through that yourself. Yeah. Uh, we get fired from our job and you've gone through that yourself. So, you know, and we want to then close down and, and, and armor well, we are, ourselves. Well, it's natural to want to, if we're in a moment of pain, to get out of it. If we're in a moment of fear, to get away from it. That's natural. But we also learned, at least I've learned, that that doesn't work. 
<laughs> that you, the only way out is through. What's in the way is the way. So you're saying that if we reject it and we, we do it half-hearted, we are actually still living in it. And we empower it. Yeah, I, so it's not that I need to wear what I'm given to drape it over me and accept it in the sense of resign myself, but I need to work through whatever I'm given because this is the way that life asks us to transform. So is this where what we're given, let's say especially the pain that we're given, can be a teacher? Absolutely. Everything is a teacher. In, in the Hindu tradition, there's a term, the upa-guru, which means the teacher that is next to you at this moment. And everything is a teacher. And a teacher won't eliminate our circumstances, but it will give us the resources to face and move through those circumstances. So when I was going through cancer and I was waiting to have my first surgery, and I'd never had surgery before, and I was terrified of everything, and there was a young woman next to me who was waiting to go before me, and she was terrified of being given the anesthetic needle, and her karma was that they couldn't find the right vein, and this poor girl had to have that put in four or five, six times. And then she was wheeled into surgery, and I was next. And I was lying there, and I thought, I thought, what's my needle? What is it that I'm afraid of that I will need to be given four, five, six times until I learn how to incorporate it and move through it? And I realized as I was waiting there for surgery that for me, at that time in my life, I was uncomfortable with the unknown. Not the mystical unknown, but the surface world unknown. What's going to happen next when I turn this corner? Where will my next paycheck come from? What will happen here with, you know, if I leave my car on this street? What, you know? And so as I was waiting there, waiting before they were going to put me to sleep for my first surgery, I realized, you know what? Lack of closure is my need all. I have to let go of there is no closure in life. And I keep, be and I'm given it over and over, like this poor girl was given that needle over and over, until I accept it and take it in and face it and work through it. And I couldn't do that unless I was wholehearted. Anything half-hearted made me turn and run from it. So that's just one example of how we're asked to work with what we're given. So accepting things as they are is not resignation; it's understanding the path that is before us. And until we accept the path that is before us, we see all kinds of illusionary paths and we put our efforts in misplaced places. Now, understanding that I, from what I gather in reading your book is that that understanding can come to us through conversation with others, it's, it's a relational sort of understanding. That's helpful, at least. It's a relational. In the Chinese uh, mythic tradition, they have a mythical bird known as a qian, C-H-I-E-N. And the qian has one eye and one wing, and its sole purpose in life is to find another qian so it can see and fly. And isn't that what a lot of our experience on earth is? 
because it is relational. Because I bring with my whole heart everything I have, and it's not quite enough to figure anything out until through love we meet and through friendship you share what you have figured out. And then, like the Chians, we can see and fly together. I'm thinking of a story that you you tell, and this goes back to how all things can be teachers. I mean, here this woman waiting for her surgery really became a teacher in that way because it made you think, oh, what is my needle? But this teacher, it was um, an unusual one. It was somebody who who lived in the, I don't know, 16th century? No, maybe it was long before that. Yeah, it was the 1600s. Oh, Sokuhai, a monk poet, teacher, calligrapher of the 1600s in Japan. I had read about him briefly. And then, and this is how, what I mean about being open to following what you don't understand because it might hold some learning. So I had read about him and I read this curious fact that where he lived at the time in Japan, there was a forest fire, which was all the monks were trying to fight it before it would consume where they lived, the monastery where they lived. And that Sokuhai, at the age of 34, was almost asphyxiated in the fire, was revived after it was gone, but supposedly came out of the fire enlightened, and from that day forward was considered a master teacher. And so I couldn't stop thinking about what happened to this guy in this fire, right? I mean, it might just be a myth, but I was, I just couldn't let go of it. And that night I dreamt about Sokohai. And so at any point in this, I could have dismissed it and said, oh, it's just, you know, it was the fish I had that made me dream. It was the fish I had at dinner, you know. But again, a part of being wholehearted is I felt something here that I didn't understand, and I needed to explore it. And so the next morning I woke up, and I was compelled to, which doesn't happen very often, but as a poet, I was compelled to imagine and give voice, to write in Sokuhai's voice, his account of what happened in that fire. And who knows whether that happened or not? It really doesn't matter. But what was amazing to me is that he had this moment of, of being taught. He met in the fire. He was transfixed by the flames and not doing anything to put the fire out when his teacher was suddenly next to him, Yun Yen. And his teacher looked at him and said, So, Sokuhai, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay in there or are you going to come out here? And even then, Sokuhai understood what his teacher meant, but he still didn't act until... In my dream, his teacher's robe caught on fire. And now, out of love, Sokohai burst on the scene and threw himself over his teacher, matting out the flames on his robe. And so his teacher taught him to live in the world, to embody wisdom, and not just think about it. And when I woke up and had written this, I realized... That's why I was drawn to Sokohai, because that was a lesson for me that I needed to learn at that time in my life. I needed to learn that to bring who I am fully, wholeheartedly again, out into the world. We live out here. We live out here. You know, one more story that helps us with this is we, you know, we talk, we study, we 
go on retreats. It's always good to practice, but the practice is for life. The practice isn't for the practice. The practice is for life. Beethoven wrote an unusual quartet, Opus 131, called the last quartet for string instruments, a string quartet, and in it he had seven movements, not four, and there were no rest stops. He purposely put no rest stops, knowing that trained string musicians use those rest stops to retune their instruments, because you can't play four, let alone seven movements, without your string instrument going out of tune. And Beethoven was saying, that's not life. You're going to have to tune as you go. <laughs> wow, wow. I'm thinking when you first started that story, you had the dream and you woke up, and rather than dismiss it, you, you listened to your heart because it had something vital to say to you. Well, and this, an this is a good way to bring us full circle about what it means to be wholehearted, is to trust that your heart is your teacher, and it will give you feeling first and understanding later. And our job is to follow the feeling to the understanding. We are not going to know what it means until we trust it and follow it so it can reveal itself. That is the practice of being wholehearted. Mark, I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. My joy, thank you. It was my joy to have you. I've been speaking with Mark Nepo. He is a philosopher and poet and author of The One Life We're Given, Finding the Wisdom That Waits in Your Heart. And if you'd like to know more about the work of Mark, you can go to his website, marknepo.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe and invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.